drink of water, spit your gum out. Oh, <laughs> right. What do you drink it? That's a horrible glass. Well, I put blueberries in it. Oh, well, okay. Right, come on. <laughs> okay, I'm going. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. You can now sign up to be a friend of The Great Indoors by subscribing to our members club, The Insiders. You'll not only be supporting the podcast, but enjoying ad-free listening, receiving juicy bonus content, as well as the opportunity to be the first in on any live ticketed events. So come on over. You know you want to. Just sign up at thegreatindoorspodcast.com. That's thegreatindoorspodcast.com. And you'll get all the details on how to join. Right then. Now, tell me all. I believe your kitchen is done. You are dust-free. Oh, my goodness. I'm not going to be dust-free just yet. But you're right. The big transformation has happened. Anyone who's following me on Instagram will be fully across this. I've now got decorators swooping in. I've got wallpaper going up. I am, oh, Kate, I'm loving it. Have you cooked anything? (laughs) That's so funny you should say that. My best friend Sophie the other day was like, now got this swanky kitchen you're going to start really enjoying cooking and I was like mm, hold that thought you don't like cooking do you <laughs> no. no so what you've done you've done some bees on to- beans on toast on your fancy three metre long island with your ambient lighting you buttered a bit of toast is that about the size of it yeah we see I just can't wait to invite everybody else round to um, what shall do I do the say? cooking for you sure. <laughs> for dinner cook it yourself yeah, nice. <laughs> you know, that's how I roll. I am the best hostess, though. I can promise you have a lovely time. Have you got any cookery books in this? I've kitchen? got have you made so. M- this is the other kind of ongoing joke in my household is I collect cookery books. You do not. <laughs> I do. I've got millions of cookery books. I love them. And I sit what? there with my little stickers, my little bookmarks, and I'm like, oh, that looks like a nice recipe. I'll do that. And then they just gather dust. That's hilarious. I busy did know that about you I mean no one would be surprised that I have a lot of cookery books but you you have a lot of cookery books and you don't use them yeah I like the pictures (laughs) well I don't know how many years it's been but you have rendered me speechless and I thought that wasn't gonna happen Sophie Robinson collects cookery books and doesn't cook a thing (laughs) not cooking a thing is a stretch like (laughs) I do cook I just don't particularly embrace it and I'm terrible at getting all the dinner on and then like walking off and scrolling Instagram or doing something else and And burning it and then Tom has to whoosh in (laughs) does he like cooking no not really (laughs) (laughs) he does cook though he does cook if I had a husband that built DIY and cooked for me I don't think I'd have any friends left. I think people would literally hate me. So he's got to have some. He's got to. He's got to have some downfalls, hasn't he? Oh, I see. So I've got one that is a brilliant cook and enjoys cooking, but he's not really interested in the DIY. Yeah, I'd love to know. I'd love to know, listeners. Does this partner exist? Have you got uh, another half who is brilliant at DIY and building, and also an excellent cook? We want to know. And then, do you know, there's a third part of this. There's a triangle here. Do you know what the third missing bit is? Really good at IT and tech. Do you know what, though? That puts me in mind of that that uh, interior design triangle, yeah. which is 
you know, the three points of the triangle are good, fast or cheap. You can okay. have two. You can only ever have two. You can't have all three. So oh. you can have it good and fast, but it won't be cheap. You can have it cheap and fast, probably won't be so good. You can have it fast and good. I've done that one. But th that triangle. So is this the husband this the, triangle? This is the partner DIY, triangle. DIY, cookery, tech. IT. You yeah. can have two, but you can't have three. So, or possibly, you see, I've got really good at cooking, not so much with the tech, but really okay at DIY. I've got oh, one and a half, okay. two. But, okay. you know, yeah, we want to hear from you. Have you got all three and a partner? Yeah, I've got really good at building. Yeah. Not so bad at cooking and surprisingly, shockingly awful at tech. <laughs> I thought you were going with another word there. <laughs> there we go. So the partner triangle versus the interior, interior design, design triangle. triangle. You only ever get two out of three. In fact, there was a song in there, wasn't there? The old meatloaf. <laughs> Two out of three ain't bad. Nobody knows what the three were. Nobody knows the meatloaf song, Kate. I think we'll do I'm not going to sing it. No, don't do I'm not going to say it. I think we should move on. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> dilemmas, dilemmas, dilemmas. How can we help this week? The style surgery is open for business. Ding, 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 ding. I feel like we need a little jingle there. <laughs> so who's first? First up, we're hearing from Claire from Somerset. I love listening to your podcast every week for home decor inspiration, but I have a child who is very atopic, has breathing issues. So her bedroom space is really, really important in terms of purity and yeah, to ensure that she doesn't suffer any wheeze at all with her breathing. And that's very hard when your little girl wants to decorate her room. So obviously more and more paint brands are now creating their own breathable or breathable easy ranges but it's also incredibly hard with things like curtains soft furnishings when they want lots of cushions and snuggly things in their room how do you go about making a room really snuggly really appealing really warm but without creating a dust mite haven we have minimal cushions and rugs but it's just very sparse. It's very bare. So it's always a bit of an issue. And I'd love any ideas that you might have about how to make a magical space for children. Claire, I feel for you that is a difficult one. And, um, you know, breathing problems are apparently becoming more and more common. And obviously everybody has different levels of breathing problems so you know where somebody might be all right with a wool rug another person might not there are materials they say that sort of cotton bamboo silk are meant to be hypoallergenic that will depend on your daughter whether she can take that or not I don't think there's anything wrong with having blinds instead of curtains we had blinds for many years in the last house with no sort of curtains because we were going for that more structural look but the thing that came to mind immediately for me was in your last line where you said how can I create a magical space and I just thought why don't you paint a magical space so the first thing I was thinking was I was scrolling through Instagram as one does and I've seen a few ceilings painted in big wide stripes at the moment that look like a big top 
a circus big top. So if you were to paint your ceiling like that, so it almost looks like fabric rather than sort of straight lines, paint them slightly curved so it looks like draping fabric. I would try and take inspiration from the idea of that trompe l'oeil. So whether you're painting fabric or you can zone the room by different paint colours or perhaps she's eight years old she might not want a jungle mural on her wall like a younger child might but can you paint a window with a view or you know just let your imagination rip and and paint it all on paint the floor create different zones either with color blocking or with you know great scenes that you can copy from books or her favorite books or something like that that I think would bring the idea of softness in it and of course obviously she's got to have bedding you don't have to have lots of cushions but that would be how I would start that. I think that's really lovely Kate I think the idea of creating something magical that doesn't have to just be in the fabric and the textiles the other thing I think to explore is lighting and lighting in a child's room can be really magical you can get these incredible I mean back in the day it was the lava lamp wasn't it did you have one of those? What do you mean did I have one I still got one I love my lava lamp. Well, I had like a little toadstool with a little family inside the stalk and that had like a <gasps> tiny light in it. That. Did you have that? I had that. <laughs> and it had holes in the side for the light. Yes. And there was a little family yes. of little china mice. Oh my God. Yes. I wonder if it was the same one. <laughs> wow. But you see, look, those are the things that make childhood memories, aren't they? Those little details. Yeah. And I think that's the thing to remember with kids is it's not always about the bigger picture. It's sometimes just the little objects. So lighting, I think, can be really good. You can also get projectors, lights that um, will project a scene onto your ceiling, for example, be that leaves blowing across the ceiling or clouds or rainbows. And lighting can bring real softness. If you've just got the one dangling light bulb 60 watt emanating from the center of the room that can be a real mood killer so think about painting the room in light listen to me interior designer there you go (laughs) um i'm just going to pick up on that last point actually about collections and i remember when i mean way back when the world was black and white as my children like to say to me I used to have a collection of little ornaments and they were called whimsies and they were little tiny china animal ornaments and I think they were about 15p a time but I collected them I had families of them there was sort of you know all different dogs and ducks and various animals and rather than for your daughter perhaps if she can't collect teddy bears or have dolls with lots of different clothes because that's dust you know there's nothing to stop her having collections of what you might loosely call ornaments but they're you know ceramic or plastic or wooden families of animals and toys that she can still play with and still collect they're just not squishy softly cuddly toys yeah gorgeous and then I suppose my point about the textile thing is you do actually want some physical softness there I think it's well documented that carpet is a real uh, dust collector so consider having a maybe like a rubber floor in a bright colour could be really nice yeah that will cut down on the dust massively keep the radiators really clean or have underfloor heating get rid of the radiator would be even better because they're terrible dust collectors and then I think for you Claire make your life easy you know use kind of like fleece throws and blankets and bean bags that can go in the wash really easily and then they dry really quickly yeah so even if you end up having to wash her bedding and her throws and cushions every week to keep them dust free then at least you can get them nice and dry and back on the bed quickly it sounds Claire like your daughter has quite extreme breathing issues so you know if you've dealt with this are dealing with this do send in your ideas and we can share them lovely so let's hear from Noelle from Dallas 
USA. Hello, love your podcast and always learn so much from your star surgeries. I have been slowly renovating our 1960s ranch style house in Dallas, Texas over the last year. Oh, I'm loving this question already. This poor house has been through two rounds of elderly owners so was a bit neglected and was bought in late 2010s by a house flipper company that had the whole house sprayed flat grey white added chrome and grey tile builder grade accents and generally bland 2010 quick fix features. Honestly, it felt like a hospital in all of the worst ways. We have successfully brought back life to the house so far. We've repainted nearly every room, fully upgraded the bathrooms and the window treatments. Our colour scheme throughout the house has been based on the colours of the sunrise. Oh, lovely. Adobe pinks, faded turquoise, olive Warm cream in our entry, copper tones, copper pattern of green on our bathroom cabinets and a dusty blue green in my son's room, all with white doors and trims left over from the previous makeover. Oh, I mean, I'm not seeing any problems with this so far, Noelle. However, they go on. I have been avoiding, and I'm owning it, the eyesore in the middle of our house, the kitchen. It needs a complete remodel. It's dark, it has no windows, it's cramped and tiny and the overall layout just makes no sense. However, a complete remodel is not on the table due to budget. So I need to find some solutions to make this kitchen more visually attractive in the short term and yet feel cohesive with the rest of our interior design. My design forte is sun-drenched and cosy. Oh, loving that. This stark and dark kitchen is throwing me off my game. Please help. My instinct is to lean into the purple flecking in the granite worktop, but I'm still unsure what to paint the cabinets in a room with no natural light. Noelle, I mean, I'm loving the idea of your colour combinations, but I, I have to say I'm slightly baffled that someone would build a house back in the 1960s with a kitchen with no windows. That is a hard sell. So I appreciate that you, you say you've got no budget, So, but you're also saying you want a sort of slightly temporary short-term situation because I'm guessing the long-term solution has surely got to be to move the kitchen to another room. I mean, we don't know how many other rooms you've got. Or what your layout is or anything. Yeah. But it sounds like, yeah, getting getting some natural light in that room would be nice. So interesting. Let's Let's... Go with your leaning into the purple flecking in the granite worktop, Sophie. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that in the end. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is a paint job, isn't it? Heads up. And interestingly, I had... Oh, I'm loving using the past tense in my old kitchen. Now it's still very novel. I had quite a dark kitchen. It did have windows though. Yeah. But I embraced the darkness and decorated it in a dark colour palette just to sort of say, do you know what? It's a dark kitchen. I can't fight it. And then I bought it alive with a very vibrant botanical wallpaper, which gave it depth and interest and plenty of strategic lighting. Now I appreciate with your colour palette going dark in there, possibly isn't going to work and you are very committed to your sun-drenched and cosy vibe and I'm here for that it sounds really lovely so I think you can stay within your colour palette if if you're going towards the purples then you might be looking at some lovely violets lavender lilac colours they are actually really on trend right now as well so I think that could be really really beautiful but I what I would do is take a little page out of my hymn sheet and introduce some pattern so it's not just flat colour because the problem is when you don't have natural light everything just looks 
looks flat. There's not a lot of light and shade. So using contrasting colors or using a heavily patterned wallpaper can really help bring life and depth to a room that otherwise just looks flat. Interesting you say the lavender. That was exactly the colour I was going to suggest because, I mean, I, I'm not sure I could live with the purple kitchen. I think purple's quite a tricky colour. But we are right. We are seeing a lot of sort of lavender, lilacs, that soft colour. And having having sworn it wasn't a colour combination I like, I'm now suddenly oh, starting oh, to... Oh, 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 to oh, get, oh, no, oh, 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 But I really like that. Yes, it's a sort of lavender lilac colour and it's beautiful with olive green. And that may Mm. be a way that you can bring those two colours together while still feeling that your worktop is part of it. And Mm. it's an interesting point you make. And how am I going to say this without sounding like I'm plugging? Okay, I may have just written a book. In the book, <laughs> I took advice from Catherine Ormerod and who lives in rented accommodation. And she's a fashion influencer. She's Kate, a fashion right? influencer. I love the way you just share all your little Insta friends, like we all just automatically. We all know who they, who they are. You are. must follow her. She's oh, brilliant. dear old Catherine. Yes, lovely Catherine, <laughs> darling Catherine. Anyhow, clever Catherine said that you know, one of the things you've got to do in rented accommodation is it's really difficult to just kind of ignore the fixtures and fittings you have to find a way of bringing them in and incorporating them otherwise it just looks like you're hiding them and you can draw attention to them even more so she for example talks about if you've got a gray rug don't just cover it with contrasting colors with no gray in pick something with a tiny hint of gray in it and it makes it look more cohesive and thought through so i'm taking Catherine's advice for you and you're leaning into that purple flecking in the granite worktop you don't want a purple kitchen I'm guessing she might do well she would have said I think if she wanted a purple kitchen she'd have said I don't need to write to you I'm going purple there you go so take that shade of that lilac or lavender use that and then maybe bring in some olive green and so you've got those two warmer colors because the other really key thing to remember about gray is that Grey is very easily influenced. It's kind of friends with every other colour on the spectrum and it's easily influenced. So you can warm up a cool grey by putting a warm pink with it, a warm green with it, even some yellow. If you've got a grey that's gone a bit beige, you can cool it down by adding in some cooler blues and some silvers. So, you know, you can can play with your tone of grey. And what I was going to say was that, as Sophie says, with pattern... Bringing in a pattern so it's an easy floral, which is perhaps a kind of lilac flower with green leaves. And you can have that on maybe, you obviously haven't got curtains, maybe a wallpaper on the ceiling or maybe in a rug, changing the floor and keep your cabinets in the lilac and the green. And obviously there's the easy changes. You can change the door handles. A warm cream will also warm it up. So keep us posted. Well, she talks about having a chrome as a metallic throughout the house. And actually the chrome and the lilac would fit really nicely. So you can you don't even need to change your hardware, which is another saving. And then finally, just to finish off with lighting, I think where you don't have any natural light, your artificial light is key. And it actually, it can be really magical if you get this right. And it may be worth spending a little bit of money. I don't know whether you want to go to the expense of having an electrician in to change your lighting, down lighters, wall lights. But what I would say is have lots of different 
pools of light throughout the space you can easily plug a lamp on a worktop that's really easy to do you can even get wall lights now that are battery operated so you can just hang them on the wall you don't even have to chase them into the plaster work because that can get really expensive so think wall lights lamps strategic pools of light dotted around that kitchen that adds some layer and some texture throughout and some interest good luck with that noel and keep us posted as to what you do we're all interested to see and now we have a really interesting message, actually, from Michelle in Swindon, a.k.a. the cleaning lady. And this actually isn't so much a style dilemma as potentially some style solutions. Because Michelle writes, I own a domestic cleaning business and I listen to your podcast while I'm working. And the last time you were discussing how the builder slash electrician will always have different ideas over the placement of spotlights. And it occurred to me that perhaps the cleaner's idea of good design might be very different to the homeowners and the builders. Perhaps when coming up with the design, ease and maintenance should be a factor. I thought that was so interesting. So I'm going to read you her letter because it's true. We talk about what we want. We talk about what the builder wants. And, you know, we're not necessarily thinking about how we're going to look after it also. So Michelle goes on to say, and this is going to be some of her tips, which you might want to factor into your own designs. I have an interest in interior design, but one eye is always on how well and how easily something can be cleaned. I watch those interior design programmes and I often think, yeah, that looks great, but it's going to be a real hassle and in some cases an impossibility to maintain. I don't have a minimalist home. I have lots of interesting bits and bobs, mainly from auctions and charity shops. But tip number one, these are generally reserved for high i.e. above eye level shelves that don't need to be dusted all that often. Great tip. The areas, she says, that gather dust and take time to maintain are pretty clutter-free. My kitchen has clear worktops with organised cupboards, integrated or hidden minimal appliances and easily cleaned door fronts. The bathroom is uncluttered. Lots of my choices are determined by the many homes I've cleaned. What works and what doesn't. Oh, come on then. Enlighten us. What works and what doesn't. Right. So I just wanted to say, I'm going to inter- interrupt me, my reading of Michelle here. Doors is really interesting because we've got those Victorian panel doors and you just get a ledge of dust along every panel. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. So Michelle goes on to say, I've seen black granite worktops, listen, Noel, ruined by hard watermarks. Once that limescale has formed, we are limited in what we can do to help. Acid-based products are required for limescale, but these will etch and damage your marble and your granite. So these worktops might look good, but they're totally inappropriate unless you are prepared to put in the time to maintain them every single day. Right, Michelle. Matte kitchen cupboards that show every fingerprint and grease splash take some serious cleaning to look good. What about those shower enclosures with overlapping doors and inaccessible runners that are almost impossible to clean well? She's so right about that. Oh, yes, I've got one of those. They're really expensive and you can't, you're down there on your hands and knees with the toothbrush. With the toothbrush. No. Yeah, with the to- yeah, I've done that. That's why I've brought back the shower <clears throat> curtain. <laughs> Another one, slightly more niche but interesting thought. The fancy toothbrush holders that are impossible to clean hygienically because the design is style over practicality. We hear you, Michelle. What about, and this is an interesting one, I am having my hall stairs and landing painted and there's people precariously balanced on banisters. 
Those intricate light fittings suspended over stairwells that can never be reached with anything more than a lightly touched feather duster, and so they gradually lose their gloss. So save your twinkly, twinkly chandeliers to areas of the home where you can clean them, not in the stairwell. Good tip. And work surfaces cluttered with rarely used small appliances and food storage jars, cooking oil bottles behind the hob where they get splashed, everything getting dusty and greasy and trapping crumbs. Oh, she, she's been in my kitchen. I'm feeling that already. <laughs> She's, She's been, been in there. Yeah. And to coming to the end, another little bugbear of Michelle's. She has a few, but I mean, she's pretty right so far. You're here for them. I, I've never seen them. you. I've never seen you quite so ignited. Low maintenance, <laughs> hard floors throughout the home. Great, she says, except for that one single rug. And that rug is under the dining table. The one area where you're going to drop crumbs and spill drinks. The one area that should be made one of the easiest areas to clean has been turned into the one of the most difficult with the simple placement of that rug. Great for appearance, not great for practicality. And these are, in my opinion, just a few of the things that are important factors to consider. Your home will look good for longer and be so much more enjoyable if it isn't a great task slash chore to maintain it. Michelle, we need you on the show. <laughs> I know, I think we could do a whole episode with Michelle, don't you? That was absolutely brilliant. So many good points to consider. I love that. I love, and I will say the other thing is when you've just come up with that design and you think, no, you know, I'm so excited to have this particular finish. I will clean it. And for, you know, six weeks, three months, you do clean it and you are careful. And then one day you just can't. The thing gets spilt and it's all done. And then you're wishing that you'd had something more practical. So, yeah, I'm totally here for that, Michelle. Next up, we've heard from Gina. She says... Just recently found your fantastic pod and I'm working my way back through them and I've not yet seen this question answered. So, she says, got a trim painting question. In the hall I'm planning on a dark plum on the skirting trim around the doors and the panelling. There's two doors off the hall into the living room and the living room trims will all be dark olive green. So door frames... I want to match the area colour. Do I go plum in the doorway and then change colour on the frame once in the living room? Or do I tape the edge of the door and go 50-50? Or do I leave a white band? And if I do the doors to match, then again, how do I edge the door between the two colours? So I think Gina's asking, when you've got one room in one colour and one room in a different colour and you've painted the doors different colours, so let's just say olive in the living room, plum in the hallway what happens with the edge of the door who gets to own the color uh, what i am going to say is there's no white band there's yeah, no the, white uh, band no there's no, there's no white band you've got to pick a team um <laughs> and there is a basic rule with that and we're, we're doing it at this very moment in the house the edge of the door matches the room it faces into so in broad terms in my house when my sitting room door is open, the side with the handle on it is facing into my sitting room and that matches the door sitting mm. room colour. And the hinge, when the door is open, faces out into the hall and that matches the hall colour. So that's your basic rule with the edges. You match the colour, it faces when it's open. So if your door opens into the living room... 
you will be painting that edge in the olive, which it probably does from a hallway, to be honest. Yeah. But it's the reverse if it's the other way around. So the hinge will go in the plum and it's vice versa. And it's basically that simple. You know, you just you just pick that colour. And the other thing I think it's really worth mentioning, because I've, I'm asked this question a lot, your doors don't have to be the same colour on both sides. No, no. I think we, she's established that, hasn't she? Yeah. She's up for having her doors different colours. So I love that plum and olive yeah. green. Sounds like a really nice combination. I love getting into the nitty gritty of details. Now, and our next question is from Jen. First, I don't think I'll ever be able to sufficiently thank you for the joy and laughter you have brought into my daily life. Oh, we're here for that. <laughs> I look forward to each episode with great anticipation, not just for the guaranteed bursts of laughter, but also for your wisdom and the tremendous opportunity for learning that each episode brings. So, in truth, it's thanks to you we have tackled a few projects that otherwise we may have been too hesitant to go through, such as installing pale blue kitchen cabinets, painting the ceiling in our bedroom navy blue, and, as indicated in my subject line, painting another ceiling with pink stripes. We absolutely love all of these. The last, however, is posing an unexpected conundrum. We are here, can I just say, for all your unexpected conundrums in our monthly (laughs) style surgery. So, Jen says, we've recently moved our daughters into a bedroom together in anticipation of moving their younger brother out of our bedroom. Plans changed, as they always do. And suddenly, the girls are in the blue bedroom and our boy will be moving into the pink-ceilinged bedroom. We don't want to paint over the pink, we love it too much. And we plan to build an additional bedroom over the garage in the future, like five years from now. So therefore, we will then have another bedroom shuffle, during which our son will be moved to a different room. So... In the meantime, how can I make this room more fun and more appropriate for a toddler boy? Do I paint the walls dark like a deep teal or keep them light and focus on accessories? Apply an upbeat wallpaper? What kind of rug do we get? Would a Roman shade be better than drapes? My only updates thus far have been replacing the curtain rod with a dark wooden one and taking off the flowery curtain tie backs. I'm pretty stumped as everything else I would choose leans more feminine. And while he's only one and a half and probably won't care for quite a bit, I'd like to tackle the challenge and push myself a bit here to come up with a solution that lets our boy have a neutral, non-girly space that we will continue to love even after he's moved out. Oh, one more hurdle. Anything we do needs to be budget-friendly as we're saving for new flooring and the aforementioned building addition. Easy, right? So grateful for any tips or triggers. And I promise to keep listening, even if you don't read my question out. Sincerely confused and sincerely yours, Jen. Well, I feel Jen's getting in too much of a tangle in what's appropriate for a girl and what's appropriate for a boy. But that's me personally, because I had a little boy whose favourite colour was pink up until about the age of seven. And Arthur actually wanted to paint his room bright, bright pink and actually change his mind to red at the last minute, which I was quite grateful about because it means that that red room has now lasted him all the way up until he's now 12. Funny enough, he's just come out and said that he wants to to change the red. He's ready for a change. But that red bedroom has lasted from 5 to 12, which I think is a good innings. I think for your toddler boy, he's going to love his pink ceiling at the moment. Well, it's pink stripes as well, isn't it? So, I mean, it's really cool. Yes! I wanted to bring you back to the original gender thing, which is that if you go back to the 18th century, 
boys and girls wore pink and blue uniformly and pink was actually thought of as a more masculine colour. Pink was the colour for boys and blue, regarded as more dainty, was the colour for girls. And this was because that pink is related to the mother colour red, which is generally regarded as more passionate, more active, more aggressive. More mm. aggressive, exactly. And then there was, and I'm reading this now, but I've quoted it in one of my books, there was an article called Pink or Blue published in the trade journal The Infants Department in 1918 said that the generally accepted rule is pink for boys and blue for girls because pink being a decided and stronger colour is more suitable for a boy. So we're getting into gender stereotyping already back in 1918, but it's the other way round. So I think, Jen, first up, as Sophie says, don't get hung up on what's right for a girl and what's right for a boy yeah. because you might then be imposing those ideas on them and he might just like that colour. And then, of course, you've got the freedom to do the walls any colour you want. Yeah, I'd almost think at, at his age, it's going to be, again, a little bit like Claire at the top of the show. For children, it's often about the little details and the overall bigger picture. So, yeah, maybe you should just invest in some lovely accessories at this point and not worry about the big redesign certainly not committing to a wallpaper that's quite a big commitment and then what I would really encourage you to do and I encourage everybody who's got children to do this when he gets to a kind of age four five six perfect time for this let him choose his own colors I think it's really really important that we bring up children who really take ownership of what they like and they get confident around color and we don't impose whether it's either cultural stereotypes or our own taste on our children and we allow them to explore this because you're setting up your kids then for a life of colour confidence they really know what they like and they're going to create interior spaces that work for them all the way through into their adult life so if you can maybe just not worry too much he's only a toddler make sure he's got I don't know like his favourite characters on his bedspread and uh, maybe some posters or pictures or a mural on the wall that's something he's into save your butt until he's a bit older and you can get him on board with the room design. And also just talking in terms of, of colour combinations, you know, you're not talking about making the whole room pink or frilly unless he wants that. But, you know, take inspiration from, you know, Wes Anderson, for example, who's all about the pink and green. And you can have that pink ceiling. You can have, as you say, teal walls or olive green walls or forest green walls. There's lots of other colours and pink in many situations, actually becomes a bit of a neutral because it just likes all the other colours. So whether you go for a sort of clashing pink and red, pink and orange, or, you know, various shades of green, you can absolutely have fun with it. And it doesn't mean it's a girly room, however you decorate it. Yeah, and there are plenty of girls, by the way, who hate pink, right? I mean, they are a minority, I hasten to agree. Typically, girls are drawn to the pinks and the lilacs. Again, probably conditioned to like those colours. But yeah, do not make assumptions on what what is right for our kids, I think is the headline. So finally, we've got this from Louise. She says, hi, I'm looking at wardrobe options for our master bedroom. We've got very high ceilings and quotes for bespoke are eye-watering. <laughs> so I'm looking at alternatives. Do you have any knowledge or experience of using the IKEA pack system for all internal organisation? And then making it look bespoke by customising it with doors and handles. Thinking about maybe mounting it on a base. Our house is listed Georgian old rectory with great proportions. 
The bedroom in question is large, has working shutters whose panelling could look good replicated in the wardrobe doors. I don't want a modern look and I'd like the wardrobes painted in the same colour as the wall to blend in. I really like plain English designs. Oh, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. Like plain English designs, but got IKEA pack system money. <laughs> I think this is a great question, Louise. So when we designed my mum's annex, she uh, doesn't have Georgian proportions. This was a new build, but she does have tall ceilings she actually had uh, within her kitchen layout quite a nice alcove opportunity probably about three and a half meters I think it's similar to you Louise where we could fit the wardrobes into so the door front of the wardrobe would then be flush with the room do you are you visualizing what I'm saying here and actually what we did is we ended up paneling the whole room now for her house she's used uh, T&G tongue and groove panelling but you talk about using a Georgian panel uh, and that's very plain English I think that could look really nice so you could think about panelling the entire wall if you can the whole width and then almost having your wardrobes hidden behind these doors and then indeed you're right in terms of internal mechanisms IKEA have I mean, it's to infinity, isn't it? You've got rails, you've got drawers, you've got shoe drawers, you've got clothes drawers, you've got rails of different height, you've got pull-down rails, you've got shelves. I mean, you, you, you've got all the options you need. But you're more... So you will save loads of money in your internals and then maybe use the expense to pay a carpenter to make some really lovely bespoke fitted. I think this is the thing. The IKEA pack system isn't fitted, so it still ends up looking like a wardrobe in a room. If you want that fitted joinery look, then I just spend a little bit of money getting the doors made. I absolutely agree with that. And also, you know, just make sure you fill the edges of it, because if you're in a Georgian house, I'm guessing your walls will not be as straight as IKEA flat back furniture. So if you want it to look fitted in, then you can cork down the edges and paint it, all that to make it look like it's set in. But you're going to be spending your money on the doors. The other thing you can do if you want to hide that it's IKEA, and I've seen this done a lot, for dressing room ideas, have a look at Chelsea, uh, the house that Black built, she's exactly bought some IKEA packs and she's had some doors made that she's fitting on. Where you have on an IKEA flat pack, you have all the little holes drilled in so that you can put the shelves and rails at whatever height you want. And that's great if you think you're going to change it. In my experience, once it's in, you're probably not going to change it. So you could, if you want to sort of elevate it a bit more, and this really will be for your eyes only because it's on the inside, you can fill those little holes and sand over them. And if you're painting the inside, and that again will take you more towards a plain English bespoke look than a flat pack one size fits yeah because they're always just white aren't they it's just white laminate uh, chipboard inside like you say with loads of pre-drilled holes and that's the little telltale sign that you've bought a flat pack uh, wardrobe so that's a really good tip so fill the holes and paint it and again you can use an all surface primer to paint laminate um, easy to do yeah and then you could paint it in a colour that's another telltale sign isn't it as if your internal cupboards are painted a colour that it's more likely to be bespoke joinery so it's another another way of faking it I love that and then you know get some great handles either leather pull tabs or you can have you know I don't know if Ikea do this as my ignorance but those flat doors which just push close that might be a different hinge but you know a, a have put some thought into the handles and how it fits into the rest of the room and you can create something that's you know totally works for you and the clothes you're storing 
and fits in with the room at a fraction of the price and that's what we're here for there you go love that great question so there we go that completes this month's star surgery now before we go i'll just remind you once more about our great indoors insiders club where you can enjoy ad-free listening bonus content and first dibs on ticketed events just visit the great to sign up thanks too to our producer sarah cudden of feast collective and uh, well, we'll be back next week but for now we'll see you in the great indoors <laughs>